Good morning, brothers and sisters. My wife, Becky, sends you greetings. She wants to come, but uh, Urbana invites just one person. <laughs> so next time, he said, she said to me, and she sends you greetings and uh, much gratitude for partnering with us for almost two years now. And we're privileged to have you uh, praying with us and supporting us in so many ways. Um, we thank God for David and Kuita, who's been very instrumental while we're here, while I'm here today. And I have a good experience. Uh, my first time in America, and first time, uh, I was surprised I, would, I was invited in Urbana. And uh, in a way, I have shared with uh, many students and uh, mentor some in the course. But I want to thank God for that uh, opportunity to encourage young people, students, American students, North American students. And I was also blessed by the response. And I see the report from Urbana website that there are 5,058 young students who have committed to at least a short-term mission all over the world. Amen? That's encouraging. That's encouraging for me. I, I come to, to, to encourage, but in return, I, also, I was also uh, being encouraged by what the events uh, and, and, and what's the result of the conference. And I praise God for that. Becky wants to come, and, uh, but I want to tell something about Becky before I start. Becky is now uh, uh, mentoring some of the teachers in preschool. She's mentoring basically 10 uh, preschool teachers and four homework club teachers. Becky is a trained teacher in the Philippines, so we, came, we come to Cambodia, and her role is to empower Christian educators and educators in the normal uh, education uh, department, which our mission have started. And he's mentoring and training teachers to be effective in their work. And she, she, she was blessing lots of educators. She's also involved in, in, in a, um, shaping the educational system. You know, Cambodia have a very poor educational system, and it's part of a network of educators in Cambodia who, who's doing systems changes and policy changes in educational system of Cambodia. So he's doing a little uh, bit on that and hands-on on training maybe a dozen teachers in Cambodia. So he's doing well, really well. While I'm doing mentoring and discipleship, uh, among pastors, among urban poor pastors and youth leaders. I'm also going around churches to preach. Uh, I don't have a local church uh, to, to serve, but I'm mentoring several churches in Phnom Penh and going around them to teach and preach uh, the Word of God. Today I would like to share my testimony, and I would like to start with a verse in Luke 4, 18 to 19. 
If you have a Bible, you can open with me in Luke 4, 18 to 19. And I need my glasses to read. <laughs> Sorry for that. Okay. Please read with me. Luke 4, 18, 19. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. From these verses, Jesus becomes very true to my personal life. He is the bearer of good news. He was my deliverer. He was my deliverer from the forces that make my life in captivity to sin and evil. Allow me to tell my story when I become a Christian. I am so courageous in my newfound life. I believe I can do all things through Christ who will strengthen me. But that time, I was just come out from my six years of drug addiction. It was a very hard life. I am very scared, actually. During the last part of my addiction experience, I have that wishes. Um, my life means nothing and full of garbage. But God found me in the darkest part of my life, and he gave me a second chance. Jesus delivered me from bandage of addiction and, and literally released me from captivity, from the forces of evil that's really on me. I was 26 years old, and I have three kids already, and the youngest is four months old. When we moved to our $75 house in the middle of the slum area, a skeleton frame house with only roof on it, and it was a total of 16 square meter in size. My oldest brother lent me, thank you, my oldest brother lent me $100, I pay $75 to pay for the house and buy five pieces of 4 by 8 plywood, put it on the wall, three on the wall, and two on the floor. And we start living in our $75 house. I, I have, want to share this sketch to you just to give you a glimpse of where we started. When I became a Christian, I know God is with me. I'm not scared to start all over again. I'm not scared to start over again with this humble house and with God reigning in my life. This house is a symbol of our life's journey as a family. 
symbol of our journey with God who have loved and cared for us through the years. We need symbols to keep events in our hearts so that we have, and all that we have learned from those experiences. We need symbols to remind us that life is full of challenges. It's not easy. But also remind us how we overcome those challenges. We need symbols to remind us of God's presence in those trying times. And also, we need those, the symbol to remind us of many of our joyful times with the Lord. Brothers and sisters, I want to invite you to look back and reflect about your, probably your symbols in your life that can remind you of how God is present in your life. During those early years, we learned to be joyful in what we have, to be contented. You know the Lord's Prayer, give me this day our daily bread. It's really from, like, from the bottom of our heart because we don't know if we have something the next day. We are a family of five members, three kids and my wife, Becky. We earn at least $2 a day. So piso, soy sauce, vegetables and rice are our daily food on the table. If we have fish or meat on a special day a week, it's already a feast. Our kids, woo! In those times, we can confidently say, though we are poor, we are rich because God is with us. We are poor if God is not reigning in our lives. One of my favorite gospel songs highlights this. Give thanks. The line goes, let the poor say I am rich and let the rich say I am poor. I always need to be reminded of this truth, brothers and sisters. And I think we all need to be reminded and always be reminded of this truth. My life continues to, need to, continue to grow with passion to be servant of God. That time I was a security guard. And at night while on duty, I would read the Bible from cover to cover. <laughs> and really wanting to... to, to uh, a desire to apply everything I learned from scriptures in my daily life. And, and like, my life is like our $75 house. Every month there were improvements. My boss, where uh, the paper factory I'm working, will give me pallets, wooden pallets, and I will start working on it. I will start building the, the window, the door, cabinets, you know, bed, and eventually toilet. And so my house slowly, gradually is becoming a full-fledged shelter like my life. But spiritual growth does not mean I, I grow fast I, as, as I reflect back. But spiritual growth does not mean the absence of challenges along the way. One of the spiritual challenges 
in my life, then, is how to understand how a gracious God would allow one of his beloved family to suffer. This question bothers me for quite a long time. My reflection on the verses, slide please, in Luke 6, 20 to 23, and other Bible verses in the Bible, how God loves the poor, help me through this struggle. The, the blessedness that I know, it's so different from the blessedness that is what the Bible is talking about. And probably, it's so different from the blessedness uh, most of you brothers and sisters have been in mind. And probably the world, basically, when you say blessedness, probably it will mean having lots and lots and lots and lots of material things in life. Probably blessedness means it's your achieving your American dream, if it's not too late. But blessedness means, in this passage, it's telling us you are blessed even though you are very poor because God is with you along the journey. You are blessed if you will experience varying degrees of hardships and trials in life. You are to be glad and to be joyful in the midst of persecution because of Jesus. So I grow and in my faith and my walk with Jesus. And at this time, Luke 4, 18 and 19 become my life verse. Jesus' mission statement becomes my mission statement as well. So I'm really challenged. I met servants missionary in a slum area in mid-1980s. They are doing what Jesus did during this time. They are missionaries from rich background living among the poor to bring the good news of the kingdom. They were serving, loving, and empowering the poor in our community. In the beginning, I thought they were crazy white people. I thought, why are they living like us? But later, I began to honor and respect them because they hear and follow the call of Jesus to minister to the poor, the sick, and the oppressed. They challenged my life to be a servant among the poor also. We remain in the community as change agents, as like people of peace in Matthew 10 and 11, as a leader of church among the poor. And also, we do what we can, we are able to help the people around us. Our church has been instrumental so that our community can have basic services like legal water, electricity, and needed community facilities. And then later we begin to think about housing and uh, land rights issue. The church helped in a successful completion of a housing project. This housing project, if you notice, this is a big slum area. And a bit in the center is already a developed site. But you will see on the far end of the picture, there are some 
slum area is still not yet developed. This is part of a 10 hectare area, but we have facilitated, the church had facilitated 1.6 hectares of this land so that people can have their own land, a home they can call their own, and it's beautiful and safe. Please, next slide, please. This is the entrance of the village, which is called Spiritus Santo Village, the Spirit, Holy Spirit Village. And the church was very instrumental, and this is one of the success stories and a fruit of more than a decade of hard process of community organizing, encouraging people to, to do community building, savings, and uh, facing issues together, and courageously uh, fighting all the forces that wants to demolish the community. For a time, one time, the government said, we will uh, develop this area into a cemetery. And the people saying, we're living here. Why don't you think about the living? Why would you think about the dead? And so this is a product of a, a, a commun communal courage with church leaders, with community leaders, and other sectors of society. When disaster, which is very ordinary to the slum area, the church is there to respond with little resources, but with lots of love and compassion. It is easy, if you're in the middle of the slum, it is easy to be overwhelmed with fear and do nothing to respond to the needs of the poor. But we learn to rely on the power of God, strength and wisdom to be to bring transformation in our community. And I believe that is, will truly make the difference. In year, year 2000, we received a new call from God. It's time to leave the $75 house and go to Cambodia. Go and bring the good news to the poor in Cambodia to courageously follow Jesus in another culture to a more difficult place than Manila and once more be invited by God to leave our comfort zone and face unique challenges in our new slums in Cambodia. We are full of courage because God has assured us of his presence. He did, not, he did not promise it will be easy but, if, but with him, we know we will overcome. When we hear the call of God, we say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, we want to follow your footsteps to slums of Cambodia. But there are many stumbling blocks. One of the stumbling blocks is our church would not allow us to go and be, be missionaries. And they have reasons for that. They said, the six urban poor churches that I le I'm leading that time said they are so poor and cannot support us. We cannot support you, Pastor Efren. Secondly, they don't want to lose me as their leader. 
For them, our going to cross-cultural mission is scary and extreme loss and brings about so much uncertainty. So five long years we wait. Five long years we pray. We pray, wait. Will the church bless us? Will the church send us? Then comes the hand of God who sends workers. No one can stop him. <laughs> God touched the church to bless us, to release us, and God provides our needs in so many amazing ways. When God calls us to mission, even, that, even if there are elements who blocks the way, who blocks our path, God can move those hindrances and God will make a way for us. What a joy when the church says yes, yes, yes. When our families say yes, because we leave our family in Manila. All the kids are grown up. Becky and I just go to Cambodia. What a joy when they say yes. What a joy when the church says yes. Brethren, how would you respond if you sense that the church, this church, Solano Church, is called by God to minister to the poor in your Judea, in your community, in your needy folks, folks in this community, or go beyond the slums of Asia or other unreached slums of the world. I hope that you will go and be courageous and step out there and send out disciples of Jesus to the world's poor. I'm hoping that you will use your resources and privilege to be hands and feet of Jesus to them. The harvests are plentiful, but the workers are few. Allow me to read that verse uh, in Matthew 9, 35 to 38. Jesus went through all towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every diseases, disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest fields. And then in, in chapter 10, he sent out his disciples. Today, I hope you hear that call of Jesus to do his mission. Today, Islam, Islam, you know, Islam tourism is a growing fad. Rich people visit urban slums and communities. We have experienced that. They take photos of slum communities and people living in the slum, sometimes orphanages. They go home, put some comments in their blogs, but do nothing 
to respond to the sufferings of the people and the communities they have seen. Let us say no to orphanage tourism or slum tourism and yes to slum engagement. Let us be courageous enough to engage the poor and marginalized where they are. Maybe one of the, under the bridge. To build relationships in order to share what we believe. To help them find the plan of God in their lives and transform the communities they are living now. Amen? That's a challenge. Our missionary experience in Cambodia was hard. Remember? God promised it will not be easy. We have received few medals but acquired lots of scars in, from wounds in our efforts to bring the good news to the poor. But amidst of all this, we found God's comforting presence, peace, and joy. Allow me to share one last story from Cambodia. Last August 25, Our urban poor community in Chabaompo was partially destroyed by fire. The fire site was 50 meters from our house. Our house is, you know, the orange, is that an orange? It's like a rusty, small house after the big house. There. Okay, almost in the middle. I don't have a pointer. It's 50 meters from our house. My wife, Becky, panicked. She was so afraid. Thought our house will be also wiped out. But after he rec she recovered, she do a lot of help. She do a lot of help, uh, work to do in the relief work in the community. Um, another slide, please. Everything is gone. Everything. Is gone. It's an awful sight. Most of the victims' belongings are gutted. A middle-aged woman, please show next one. The middle-aged woman, the, the one next to Becky, this time is a relief giving, is a widow who throw herself into the river to commit suicide. When he sees his house is gone, all belongings is gone, he throws to the river. But luckily people see her. And, and rescue her. This is how devastated she was. But after, after rehabilitation, no, no, please go back. Yes, yes. This is a process of rebuilding the houses. After the, the, her, houses, her house was reconstructed, she was so happy. And people also was so happy because they say, oh, it's better than before. <laughs> it's better than before. And it's, it's still ongoing. The construction is still going when I took this picture. My, after the, so after the rebuilding, we, we have helped in building at least 26 houses, 20 toilets, and also we have distributed uh, water filters and lots of love was showered. Our local pastor Pana, next slide. Our local pastor Pana led lead the rehabilitation process. 
Pastor Pana, I've been mentoring him for quite a while. He leads the, the, the rehabilitation project together with my teammate, David. The next slide, next slide please. My, my, my teammate, David, is on the far left. He's an Australian. He's a white, like most of you, he's a white man. <laughs> but after the fire, they help in the uh, relief and development. And uh, the middle one is Andrew from Wheaton College, a short-termer, and uh, Giovanni, also a short-termer. And the young guys are the young guys I'm mentoring and leading in the last two years. And they were passionate to help in the rebuilding of houses. It is amazing to see how they serve their fellow poor in the midst of suffering. That's very amazingly and, and, and you know, makes me happy. I'm so happy because I have this opportunity to touch their lives, these young people, to mentor and prepare them to be good leaders who will lead their families and others in the community to Christ and his transforming power to lift them up from poverty. They will be like Jesus to others in the urban poor community as well. Our team vision to live committed people ready to do the hard work in reaching out to their fellow poor is already, we believe, is already happening in the lives of these young leaders. And that gives us so much joy. We've been in Cambodia for nine and a half years, and we're finishing our 10th year in the middle of this year. And our question in our life, where or what's next for us? Is God calling us to continue our mission in Cambodia? Is God calling us to a new slum to relocate? Or is God calling us to come back to our $75 house and continue what we have left there unfinished. I want to show you my family picture last. And uh, these are the young people I'm mentoring. This is our, our house and school, Kum house and school. Our house is just at the back of those walls. Okay, next slide, please. All right, this is my family. I left them very small, now they are very big. So, I have four children and six grandchildren. We have two members of the family down. That's my youngest grandchild. And the girl is my newest uh, daughter-in-law. They have been married last December. last December. So they don't have kids. So this is the family I will come back. And that gives us joy in the journey. Um, the children are really great. They're doing great. And my grandchildren is growing up. I want to end my testimony here. And I want to end by saying my experience of Jesus' deliverance is the best thing that happened in my life. Wow, that's the best thing. His deliverance is bringing the good news to me and, and, and you know, giving me new life is what's the best thing. His guidance of our mission is overwhelming. And we want to be on board on his mission's global agenda. 
We want to be ministers to the poor. We want, if ever, if forever, if possible. And God indeed supply all our needs. And you'll be part of it. You have been part of it for quite a while. God gave us needed courage to overcome and trust for all provisions along the journey. Let God be praised. My brethren, I hope my story has inspired you a little bit to be courageous in reaching out and engaging the poor intentionally wherever they are, all the time when able. I hope that the passion of Jesus to serve, love, and empower the poor, the needy of this world, be set aflame in your heart. And together we will go to be a blessing in those in the margin. And God will bless us to bless others. And lastly, I want to show you a short video to end my testimony. And then I'll come back and pray.
was young, unaware, away from home for the first time, and he taught me about AIDS, saving my life. For I was living in a community wracked with sickness and diarrhoea, and together we built family latrines, making life better for everyone. For I was dying of AIDS, weak, ashamed, fearful, and he touched me, cared for me, and taught others to understand. This is not just a Cambodian story. This can be your story too. In every city, including your city, there are the poor, the vulnerable, and those considered the least significant. How would you respond? In what ways can you be a friend and neighbour for those who are hurting and struggling? Let's pray. God, our Creator, who loves us all, empower us with your Holy Spirit so that we can follow Jesus' footsteps, his example of humility. Is coming to live among us, to reach out to the poor, the sick, and the oppressed. Help us to follow that journey so that our world could be a better place. Help us to hear the heartbeat of Jesus for the poor and marginalized so that freedom, jubilee, Shalom in the slum areas of the world may come. May your kingdom come. Help us to be loving hands of Jesus. Help us to be loving feet of Jesus. A humble heart church in this area to the ends of the earth. Bless your word bless the stories we have heard and allow that word and story be instilled in our hearts as we go today. This is our prayer in our name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.